Yes, indeed. Good morning. What is trending today? So, um, obviously, the 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 case in the international court um, is trending. Okay, but I'm not going to discuss it because it is being discussed at length. So I've decided to talk about the other thing that is trending, which is this whole ANC fire pool gaffe that Fakila Mbalula, the the SG, has been speaking about. Was it a gaffe or the truth? No, I'm sorry, I wrote gaffe here in inverted commas because... Yes, and and I just went down a rabbit hole this morning and was watching a really interesting interview that Siswem Porfu Walsh did on the SABC, quite a long interview, um, I think it was on the night of the 9th, where he interviews the SG and he goes in quite a lot of detail asking him, you know, did he speak these words? And there was one, um, is he calls a word, utoki, which means untruthfulness. And he was sort of explaining that's not quite what he said and his words have been taken out of context. But I found it really interesting because one of the things, you know, Gwedi Mantash, who's the ANC national chair, had came out and criticized um, Mbalula for daring to say that the fire pool was really a swimming pool. Sure. And um, so on this TV interview, when Sizwe asks him about it, he goes, we, the ANC, do not respond to each other via the media. That is like a rule we've taken. And so I will not be responding to my national chair here in this interview with you. If the chair wants to come to me directly, we're in meetings every Monday. We're there in, in Bombela at the moment for the ANC January the 8th um event he said he can come and speak to me but so he's not responding but he kind of is responding and the whole thing just devolves into this crazy kind of war of words and i just wanted to refer to the column mandy weiner has written she does a weekly column for us it's on capetalk.ca.za this morning and it's headlined politicians particularly from the anc are trying to revise history and i think she makes some really cool points as we head into election season which is that you know, politicians or the party, and this is the case across the board in the world, you know, revisionist history. So that you re- eventually reach a point as a member of the public where you don't even remember which was the true story because yeah. they're busy spinning it like in every which way they can. And I, I actually thought about it quite a bit since I read a column this morning and I was thinking it's such an important point for us as the public to be vigilant as we go into this season. Um, institutional me- memory and accurate recollections of prior events become crucial, writes Mandy this morning in her column. Mm. And Malcolm Gladwell, who did that revisionist history series, and she refers to this, you know, always said, don't rely on your memory as the truth, because then you're a fool. And I think it's actually like a valid sure. point, because our memory is so tainted by stories that we hear after the facts. True. I just think it's an interesting point, and but, I, 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 something I'm going to apply to myself a little bit more this year. But what informed that that first memory? Well, you know, that, that that's what I'm. No, I agree. But like, uh, you know, we have so much going on in our heads that as the years pass, do you remember exactly whether this came from the horse's mouth, or this was a follow-up spin, or whether this was a, a, a spin on a spin on a spin? I just think, you know what, we're going into election season. The ANC tells, you know. I would say a lot of porkies and they do try and spin the history. I mean, now, you know, Mbalula was saying on this interview with uh, Siswe and he was saying the Concord agreed that it was a swimming pool. Mm. We know this is a fact. He said what I said the other day, he said, was just me stating history and fact because um, we know it's a, it's a well-known fact 
that the court came out with that conclusion. And we as the ANC took collective responsibility and we, mm. you know, said uh, Zuma needs to pay, pay for these things. Mm. Um, oh, my goodness, it's exhausting trying to join the dots and navigate this history. Yeah. So I just found that an interesting sort of almost, what, philosophical point. That yeah. Uh, and there's, we have to make sense of it. Well, maybe it's designed for us not to be able to. Make well, that's and that's what we, we need to challenge that in ourselves and actually go. No, that is how we hold them to account because we try and go back and find the truth. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> yeah. But it is an interesting point, and I think Mandy's focused? column makes. I just want to say, if people want to go and check that out on CapeTalk.co.za. Um, I think that she makes some interesting points that just made me think, yeah, we do need to, 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 to never just accept, you know, we always need to be looking at what is the truth. You know, what is it's history it's a, rewritten? Yeah, it's a, it's a minefield. Yeah, you know, is there something as the truth? I'm just beginning to trust my instincts. Well, I don't the, like what I'm hearing on TV. Or I like what I I'm hearing know. on TV. I know. Read between the lines is really the skill that very is required. Very much so. Very much so. Um, yeah, and then the second story, I wanted to just talk about the Pink Rescue Boys, the NSRI Pink Boys. We've spoken mm. about them a I've few times the over NSRI the years. I know. And this was part of uh, an initiative that they, they helped get funded with, I think, some corporates. And it's an amazing initiative of putting out, I think it's something like 1,000... Uh, 800 of these boys on beaches across um, across the country, I think obviously mostly in the Cape and up the coast, up the garden route. And uh, we've seen stories of these boys being stolen before, and I just was alerted to the story on um, uh, the George Herald, to, who reporting that several of these boys were stolen from their poles on the garden route during the holiday season. And yeah. I just like to mention it because why? Please do not go and do this. And if you know of any of them, or if you see it lying somewhere where someone maybe tossed it, then they've got a helpline, they've got a number that you can call, and um, there's a WhatsApp number, 079-802-6773. You can get hold of them, and you can get these returned and put back up with the pole. And it's that thing of, you know, I was talking to a colleague, and they were like, why would anyone steal a pink boy? And I said, think back to your teens. I remember boys I knew who, when they were out and they'd had a, some drinks and whatever, in their late teens, they would look for like a number plate that they could steal or a flipping signpost, a stop sign. Or Do you remember that vibe? Like, no. No. Okay, well, I do. Uh, not the I kind of boys you know. Uh, clearly the boys I knew. And then they would put them in their bedrooms, you know, these like road signs. Yeah. And, and, and and I suppose, you know, they're stumbling maybe. I'm just saying. I'm giving them an excuse here. Boys will be boys. Boys will be like stumbling onto a beach, seeing this pretty pink boy on a pole and kind of thinking. But those boys have saved lives. They have saved lives. And like, please, I mean, this is just not something that you should even think about stealing do you know why they are pink no because it's the most recognizable color wow. in the water that according to the nsri that's amazing they have saved lives and, and they i think do if you find it at a pool party in a pool please can you you've got to call out the owner of that pool. agreed and it's please return it to the yeah. nsri so i just wanted to put that as a little public service thing my final story I have done this before, but I feel like here we go again. Business Tech published it, and it's the new stats coming off Numbeo, which is a, a, the world's largest database of user-contributed data regarding cities and countries worldwide and what things cost, costs of living and different. And they always, what they do is they're quite cleverly, Business Insider, they'll pick out of the stats. And I went to the Numbeo website, and I started looking at some of the items. It is so fascinating. So what business 
Business Insider have done is they've looked at eating out in an inexpensive restaurant in particular countries, a coffee, a cappuccino, a draft beer, 500 mils, and the average taxi trip per kilometer. And then they've looked at all the countries and said, where can South Africans travel in 2024 where the rand is a bit stronger and you can get a little bit of bang for your buck as a traveler? Mm. Because aren't we all just dreaming of going somewhere cool, but like who can afford it? Absolutely. And I thought it was just, I love this. Um, I love the, these kinds of articles and the, um, number one, um, the number one, so Argentina is one of their top countries, Buenos Aires, where you can, um, for one rand, you get 43 Argentine pesos. Eating out at an inexpensive restaurant for one in Buenos Aires um, in Argentina will cost you the equivalent of 129 rand. Wow. A cappuccino will cost you 28 rand 97. A draft beer, 500 mils, will cost you 29 rand 19. And the average taxi trip per, per K is 14 rand 82. Wow. And then it goes on Colombia, Bogota, if you want to go there. Is, is also worth Columbia? your, is, yeah. is not bad. Czech Republic, Prague, not bad at all. A draft beer, for example, is 45 bucks uh, in our rands. Egypt, a good, a good option. Not if you're going to buy a beer. No, a draft beer, they're saying, in Egypt, 30 rand. I mean, that's not bad. Jeez. India, which we know has always been good because the rupee, you get a lot of rupees for your rand. Um, an ex- inexpensive restaurant for one meal, 89 rand. A cappuccino, 39 rand. A draft beer, 33 rand. And then it goes on and on. Japan, which I was so surprised at. I always thought Japan would be really expensive for us. I would love to go to Japan. They're saying one rand will give you 7.71 Japanese yen. Eating out for one at an inexpensive restaurant, 129 rand. Cappuccino, 54 rand. The draft beer, 45 rand. Taxi per kilometer, 57 rand. And then uh, Kenya, Nairobi um, is a pretty good deal. Mauritius, not bad. What? Well, I mean, it's it's doable. I Mauritius. I don't buy Egypt and I don't, don't buy Mauritius. No. Okay, so this is according to Numbaya, and I'm happy for, to, to, to be disputed. But then I went to look on the actual site because I thought this was fascinating. And I looked at the beers on the South African rand. The most expensive beer, um, according to this, is in Australia for us, mm. which would cost us the equivalent of 98 rand. And right at the bottom... If you want to go and get a cheap beer of the equivalent of 10 South African rons, you can go to Nigeria. Wow. And then what I thought was just fascinating is cigarettes. I mean, I hate smoking, but I want you to look. Are we going to go there? Australia. If you go to Australia, apparently you will have to pay for a 20-pack of Marlboro if you're in Australia. Apparently, according to Nambaya, you can correct me, 534 rand. If you're wow. in Australia... And if you want to get a cheap packet of cigarettes, again, go to Nigeria, where you'll pay the equivalent of 15 rand 85. The only thing I relate to... You don't to, agree with all of this. N- not, not, to, not with all of this, because I, I, I know my beer prices. Yeah. <laughs> I can ask for a beer in many, many, many different languages. That's the only thing that I can do. Oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, maybe they should have a beer index like they have the McDonald index, so we can really, us boys... <laughs> well, they're saying <laughs> here, you. and I don't know if this is true, they're like giving examples. They're saying in New Zealand, the beer will cost you the equivalent of 62 rand, in Ireland, 59 rand. People maybe like call in if you've been there recently to one of these countries and you don't agree at all. Do you know who's on the line? Tony Leon's on the line. He was the ambassador oh. to Argentina. Tony Leon, welcome. It's good to have you. How much is a beer in Argentina? Yes, good morning, Clarence. Why Hello. didn't you tell us as Argent? Happy New Year to you too. 
You should have told us those beers are so cheap in Argentina. Cerveza, yes, they are. Well, Cerveza, they yeah. are and they aren't. I mean, the uh, the problem, and I, I defer to the expertise on the currency exchange, is that Argentina is currently undergoing an economic revolution under President Malay. Yes. And he has uh, basically massively uh, uh, devaluing the, 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 the price of the peso, but he's also removing all the subsidies on, uh, on public goods, such as, for example, food and so on. So I suspect when they do the next survey, the prices in Argentina will rocket. But uh, Syntax. let's see. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and Argentina had massive subsidies. I left there at the end of 2012. So public transport was remarkably cheap, but that's because the government subsidized them. Now they have a libertarian president, and he's moving in the other direction. So I'm not sure that the price attractiveness or differential is going to last in Argentina, although... Let me say it's a great country to visit. Thank you for that little vote of confidence there. I'm certainly putting it on, on my list of things to 